The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good types. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> we, we definitely need a new computer for all this shit. This is The Homance Chronicles, and I'm Sarah. <laughs> and I'm Nicole. And... You know what? I will not blame that on the computer this time. It was the operator. I was slow on the uptake. I apologize, Sarah, that I'm not moving at lightning speed for no, you today. It's, it was no for you. It was for you because you're dealing with it. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> it was not the computer's fault. My, uh, my whole day, I have been moving in slow motion. Oh, and really? Yes. And I'm not exactly sure why other than like, I think my allergies have officially done me in. Um, that's <laughs> where time. I'm, yeah, that's where it's I'm happening. At. And, um, so I'm going to try to introduce our guests without fumbling through this. Although my practice run didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> I went better than expected because I couldn't do, I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, our guest today is, um, she's got a lot of experience in the fitness world. So maybe she'll like, can question me as to like, why all of a sudden in the middle of the week, I just was like taking a nosedive on my energy level. Maybe she can help me with that. Yeah, maybe. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I would like to welcome author, resiliency coach, body image advocate, and creator of Fit versus fiction, Marcy Warhaft. Hello. No, you did it. You did it. Hello. <laughs> it's so funny every time. It cracks me up every time. Uh, I know. I didn't even confirm that I knew how to say your name right. Hopefully, I know. I was gonna say. Do you know how many times I've been called Marcy Warcraft lately? Oh. Okay, so my brain immediately went to witchcraft. I'm not gonna oh, lie to you. I was like, I oh, know okay. what? She's a little witch. Cool. And I was like, I'm not nope. gonna, I'm, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's better than war crimes, I guess. I oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. This is getting that's dark. Another, getting dark. That's immediately yeah. where that was the second yeah. place my head went. So well, there's that. I purposefully am extremely detailed just in life in general, but Ergo. also when I uh, look at people's names, because I feel like it's, offensive slash insulting if somebody can't even take the time to spell your name right when you send like a meeting invite you know oh yeah and mm -hmm. um so I had already went through the is there a c in your last name or not conversation with myself when I sent the meeting notice <laughs> there you go and uh because I'm the other side of business I just you know look at things and go, oh, okay. And then yeah. look at it and go like, that didn't say that. That was not yeah. even said at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I do want to just kind of jump right in because there's a lot to your story. So much. There's um, like, it seems like a lot of new information as well that you like put out occasionally. And so I, 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 I want to try to squeeze it as much as we can in this short amount of time that we have with you because you published a memoir and when you reached out to us you were like here's my story and my response was just wow like I think I went wow 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 
and, and for Nicole is- to go wow 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 because she's repeating <laughs> herself um you really got her because repeating yeah. herself is the absolute last thing she likes to do congratulations <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome so yes that was definitely to show like the drama um <laughs> but you so your book is called the Good Stripper, A Soccer Mom's Memoir of Lies, Loss, and Lap Dances. And one of the things that I find it's really so interesting good. is that <laughs> with you being like a resiliency coach and like body image advocate and some of what like, I guess your overall theme is, is that you want to live the life that you choose and you want to live the life that um, is going to make you the happiest. Mm-hmm. But I oftentimes think like, if somebody's choosing to be a stripper, they may also have the mindset that I'm doing like, like, fuck everybody. I'm doing what I want to do. You know, Mm -hmm. um, some people may do it out of like necessity. They don't have another option. Some people do it because it's the easiest way to make money. And I feel like some people do it because they're like, this is what I like to do. And I am saying, fuck it and living my best life. So at what point do you realize like I need to make a change or this isn't the right way to say fuck it or like, (laughs) or, you know, like, like how, what's the differentiator between those two thought processes? Well, first, I love that you said all that because I think, um, I think there's, depending on what TV show you're watching, strippers are going to be, they're going to be described in different ways, either they are the single parent drug addicted woman with daddy issues or mm-hmm. they're the pretty young girl putting her you know paying her way through law school kind of thing and and the thing is we're just people like just people like everyone has a different story and for me <laughs> I mean I didn't fall into any of those categories and I will also say and I think it's very important to clarify that I only danced for a short period of time my double life lasted a few years. The dancing was just a few months. It was, the dancing was part of this double life that was very sexualized, but the dancing was part of it. And, and it's interesting that you say that with kind of the rebellion, rebelling because my life had been great. And then trauma after trauma, after trauma, after trauma. And, and then my relationship went off the rails. And then I found myself almost dissociating and becoming I'm, I'm raising my hand. Me? Yeah, I'm yes, asking you a question. Ahead. Yes. <laughs> what, like you said, you were okay and then trauma started happening. So like what, at what point in your life were you like established? You had a family, you had a partner, or were you just like single living your life? Like what, when did you trauma want, you, start for you? <laughs> you want sort of the overview? You want a quick overview? I'll give you a quick we could, overview. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I won't say too much because I won't right. read the book. Of and and here's the thing. When I, when I wrote the book, I decided if I was going to write it, if I was going to share my story, I was going to share my story and yeah. I didn't hold back. And it's, I, I didn't, I didn't try to leave out the parts that made me look bad. You know, I was going to own everything. Um, and it's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty raw and, and honest. Um, but I will tell you sort of the, here's the overview. Started off little kid, you know, mother, father, sister, brother. I was the baby of the family. I, I felt very loved, very protected. I was this very feisty little girl. I, I danced and I sang and I played sports, but I also, my mother told me when I was very young, 
that I had a voice and I had every right to use it and that my opinions meant something. And so I, I was a kid who wrote a petition about my teacher in like grade three because he was very violent with the boys and I wrote a petition, everyone signed it and I got an apology and, you know, I didn't, I wasn't intimidated by anybody. And I felt like I could do anything. And then <laughs> life was like, wait a second. <laughs> Let's humble hold you that, a little bit, baby girl. Thought. Hold that thought. <laughs> um, so, I mean, very, again, in a, in, a, in a nutshell. So when I was 10, my parents got divorced and my father left and that, it wasn't great, but that to me wasn't, that wasn't the turning point for me. I mean, sure, it would have been great if he wanted to be part of our life. He left, left my mom to raise three kids on her own, no support. That was tough, but I was lucky that my mother was so spectacular, so mm-hmm. spectacular that I didn't miss him. I wasn't, at the time, my sister was seven years older. We're close now. We were not close then, but I was very close with my brother, who's five years older. And between my brother and my mother, I felt loved and safe and wanted and important and special and that was great so still good 17 I was 17 years old and my brother got sick and he died and he was 21 Uh, I didn't see it coming and my entire life changed so Billy's death um, completely rocked my world because I thought how could this to me seemingly healthy really amazing young kid die and I felt like anything bad could happen so my my feeling of the the moment before I was told he died was the last minute I felt safe in Mm -hmm. the world and and I also felt unworthy of being here I felt that the world needed him more than it needed me so I felt I had to prove myself Uh, and I didn't feel good enough and so that was when I developed an eating disorder because I felt if I couldn't two things one if I couldn't be smart enough, interesting enough, funny enough, whatever enough. Well, maybe I could try to be pretty enough. And at 17 years old in the eighties, well, not that it's changed now, but no. pretty enough meant, meant skinny enough. And so, but there was no such thing as skinny enough, you know, for me to feel worthy. But that mm-hmm. started, that where I started starving myself. Plus I also felt that everything was so out of control. What's the one thing, the one thing, especially at that age that you could control is your body. Yep. So that took its toll. And all of a sudden this kid who felt like she could take on the world didn't even know that she should, if she should be part of it anymore. And I had just gotten into a big theater school. I dropped out like my whole life. That was, that was the beginning from then. And I'll kind of list the things now. So from there, um, my mother had gotten remarried to this great guy who turned out to be a criminal. I won't get into details, but went to jail. Um, He was living a double life. Yeah. It was one of those stories where he told us he was one thing. And then you found out, nope. He was a You're like a TLC special. It, it, it a hundred percent. He had a need. The police were looking out for him. It was a whole thing, but that was right after. And then <laughs> a few months, yeah. And then a few months after that, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. And then this is all between 17 and 18 years old. Now she she recovered at that time, but it was difficult. And then from there, I moved. Um, I moved cities on my own. Uh, thought I was doing okay, but still dealing with a very severe eating yeah. disorder. I mean, well, just um, during that that age, that time frame, it's not only are you having all of these major uh, changes to your like nucleus, but you also graduate high school and mm-hmm. y- you are supposed to be figuring out who you are and everybody's mm-hmm. asking you like, what do you want to do with your life? Like, it's a big time. Well, it's huge. I mean, I was, <laughs> well, I, was, I was literally... <laughs> 
middle of writing my final English exam for high school when the vice principal came in to pull me out of my exam to tell me my brother died. Oh, Jesus. So, yeah, like that's how unprepared I was. And and again, I had I had auditioned for and gotten into this theater school. And the funny thing is my brother had, he was a great actor in his school and, and he had given me help with a monologue to audition with. And the day he died was the day the school called me to tell me I got in. So it was this mm. kind of bittersweet moment. Mm. However, I, and I started to go and then I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't have it. it. Like, it was kind of like, why prepare for the future if I can't be convinced that there is a future, right? <sighs> Man. So, so that's when I dropped out. And, but, um, but then I moved and, you know, you sort of have this false sense of, okay, maybe I'm okay, even though I really wasn't okay. But so in the next few years, I ended up, I met somebody, I got married. Um, I, because I, I think, you know, and he seemed great and whatever, and it, maybe there was some normalcy there. I, even though I wasn't really the marrying type, like I wasn't, I wasn't somebody who was like looking at bridal magazines and I wasn't that. And I was so young. I was 24. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. But did he offer I, some, or I guess did the relationship offer you a sense of stability that was lost? He, to me, um, without getting into him too much, I, yeah. cause we're still, we're very, we're yeah. amicable. It's just that yeah. he seemed very warm and very loving and yeah. kind of reminded me of my brother at the time. Yeah. And, so that's uh -huh. what I was going like, yeah, like feeling yeah. some sort of void. Yeah. And I felt yeah. so different than everybody else. I felt just, you know, so maybe this was again, some normalcy mm -hmm. that I hadn't had mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. um, got married, ended up moving together into the country, but um, I got pregnant, had a miscarriage, got pregnant, had a miscarriage, um, got pregnant again. And my mom, who again was very close to, we spoke on the phone like three times a day. She was in, she was across the country, but she was very excited about this pregnancy. She would call me with her cravings because it was our pregnancy. And <laughs> And I had gone, and again, I had lost two babies and was pregnant and I had, um, I was about five, five or six months pregnant and went for my first ultrasound. And I got a call from my sister saying, you need to fly back home because mom's dying. And I was like, um, what, are you what are you talking about? And, and even though we spoke constantly, she didn't want to tell me how bad her cancer was because I was pregnant and she didn't want to stress me out. So she was trying to protect me but I was completely unprepared and I flew back like as my, on the first flight and she died the next day. Oh so, man, I'm so how sorry. Can, how can, I'm just, I'm having a, a problem, I guess, understanding if you talk to somebody three times a day, how they can successfully hide that. My She's mom did it to my sister. Okay. My mom hid her breast cancer from my sister for a couple of months and after that, it, it, I like, and I'm just going to get on my soapbox for a minute. Do not try to protect people's feelings mm -hmm. by keeping things from them because exactly. you could literally fucking die the next day and it hit everybody that you were trying to protect harder than yes. if you just give them a heads yes. up. But so don't protect what, my yes. feelings. But that's exactly, <laughs> see, but my mother had done the same thing with my brother, right? My brother was in the hospital and- I and feel like it's just that generation. You know what I mean? It, but she just- I think she, yeah, she just wanted to protect me. And it, it didn't help me then because I was like, no. it didn't help me. No. And when she did it to you. I mean, <laughs> it's like, no, it's a bad idea, no. And, and I'll tell you something. My sister who was living in the same city as her, she also didn't even know. Because when at one point um, my, my sister saw my mom, I found this out after saw my mother and she looked terrible. And, and my sister called her doctor and her doctor said, I told her to tell you guys months ago. 
Um, but she just, I think her thing was she, we'd been through so much and she just didn't want to be, and, and especially because I was pregnant, she was so afraid that, um, it was going to impact you, know, you negatively, yeah, but also, also her, her feeling was, I mean, she, and again, I found this out after she went into palliative care, um, and she told the doctor when she went in, she said, uh, I'm going to be your first patient to walk out of here. So she for her, she wasn't somebody who was ready to go. She was, I'm getting out of here. I'm going yeah. to, you know, visit Marcy with the baby. Mm. And I'm going to, so, so it just wasn't, it, she was trying to protect me, but she also, this was her goal. She was going to be okay. Maybe so, she was also in denial a little bit too. Well, maybe, but, um, but it was devastating. And yeah, I, here I'm writing her obituary pregnant and I'm, you know, trying to figure out how I'm going to be a mother without my mother feeling very, I still feel very cheated for that, but, um, I went, but she actually ended up saving my baby's life. And I mean, that's in my book, but it was something she told me, she told me when she'd gotten sick originally, and and it helped me save my son because a few months later, there's a situation with my pregnancy and I came like an hour away from losing him. So that was devastating because here I am delivering him and there was an issue and we almost lost him. And I just, I remember lying in the hospital room after he was born, he wasn't with me. He was in the NICU. And I remember thinking like, what did I do in a past life? What did I do? Because I did something, <laughs> I did something. Um, but, but uh, and I remember a nurse coming in and there was a picture, I had a picture of my mom and me. And uh, she said, oh, is that your mom? And I said, yeah, she goes, is she coming in? And I said, no, she just died like two months ago because he was born early actually. And she went, she looked at me and she bolted out of the room. And oh. then she came back she came back a little later. She goes, I'm so sorry. I wasn't prepared. I'm like, well, that makes two of us. I wasn't prepared either. Um, but she was like, but, and ran for Yeah, me. she did. She did. Oh. But you know Fight what? Fight or flight. You know what? That's it. But, but let me just, I, so this is the thing that going back to trauma, there's more, so hold on. But they're going back to trauma. What, what happened was when my brother died and it was too much for me to handle, I pushed it down with the deflection of the eating disorder. When my, when my mother died, I couldn't, I couldn't let myself feel it because I had this baby that I wanted to take care of, right? So I'm, I'm continuing to push down, push down, push down trauma. Now, about a year later, I got pregnant again. And while I was pregnant, I got sick. Not related to the pregnancy, related to an antibiotic. Long story short, ended up in the hospital for two months with kidney failure and respiratory failure. Um, I had major surgeries, ended up with a tracheostomy in the ICU and a ventilator for two and a half weeks. Um, pneumonia. I had the super bug MRSA, 25% chance of survival. It, it was, you had MRSA <laughs> and that was the least of it. Yeah. I had oh, yeah. MRSA on top of everything else. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was, and we lost the baby. I lost the baby because he oh, just man, couldn't, Marcy. couldn't, yeah. Couldn't hold on through what, what I was, what my body was doing. Um, and it was brutal because I was so out of it that I would, I'd wake up and I'd ask about the baby. And they tell me that I lost him and then I'd pass out and then I'd wake up oh, and no. I'd ask about the baby. Like Groundhog's Day. Yeah, exactly. But, and it's oh, so, right. And the worst so possible took, way though. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. So it took a while before, and I have my hospital record, you know, and I, and I read where I'm even saying, I can't even, I, I and I'm a talker. Like I want to talk about things and I couldn't even at that point, I had to get home. I had a 16 month old at home. And I needed to get home for him. Otherwise, I'll tell you, I had more people at this point. My mother was gone. My, my baby was gone. My brother was gone. There were more people that weren't on this planet than there were for me here. So mm-hmm. there was a part of me that was kind of, 
I thought, okay, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go. But I had a, I had a 16 month old at home that I had to fight for, but I get out of the hospital and I learned, you have to learn how to walk again and talk again and all of that. And then, uh, move back to where, to the East coast and God love him. My ex-husband was fantastic while I was sick, but took a turn after, just after I got out of the hospital and, um, I had gotten pregnant again and this was my second miracle baby and, and so grateful because it's my fifth pregnancy, but my, without saying too much, but it's all in the book. Um, my husband had suggested, as he had previously to open, open up our marriage. And it wasn't something that I was comfortable doing. Um, to be completely honest, we had a good sex life. There was no, you know, I was a sexual person. I was going to say, I mean, you got, you were getting pregnant left and right. Although you weren't actually having the babies, (laughs) you were having sex. (laughs) I had the stronger sex. Like I, that was not an issue, you know, but I was also keep in mind through all of this, through the pregnancies, through fighting back with my body, I was still dealing with an eating disorder. So I was still not feeling great about my body. I was still dealing with that, right? Plus I'm still in a very short period of time. I, the time I lost my mother, the time I lost my baby was she, I lost my mother in 1998. I lost my baby in 2000. That's not, that's not a lot of time, right? I got out of the hospital in about April of 2000. My next son was born in 2001. It's a lot physically and emotionally. So at this point I'm dealing with physical trauma. I'm dealing with emotional trauma. And then it was this, for me too much where my partner wanted to kind of share me and um as for somebody who was so my body was so messed up at this point in every way it just it it and I didn't have when I was in the hospital you know as much as I didn't want my mother to see another child like this I still you know I I felt like you want your mom you know you want Mm -hmm. so I and I wasn't talking with my sister speaking with my sister at that time I had no family none zero so it was, it was a tough thing. And, and I kind of dissociated and felt like at this point, I, finally, you, you finally just dissociated. Well, that's, and took ex- this exactly. Exa- <laughs> but that's exactly it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure around 17 and a half, I would have also disassociated and just stayed there for a while. You're like, finally. Yeah. Finally checked well, out. <laughs> truly it. though, I could see how the actual physical loss of people would play into now the potential loss of what you thought was a a normalcy a normalcy that you were getting in your relationship and directly correlate back to I'm not worthy of this or to your point like what did I do to deserve this why does this happen to me it's Um, like the rug is constantly being pulled out from under you what the fuck I don't know how you don't have self-worth issues to be honest (laughs) well yeah right so that was so that was my thing was here back when I was a kid when I was 17 and I felt that I wasn't worthy um now again at that point I was in my 30s or 30 31 feeling the same way so I I felt as somebody who I almost died when I was 29 my mom died when she was 56 I was 28 my brother died at 21 I started I felt like I don't know how much time I have right I don't know how long you were like my ticket's coming. I don't know. But I had, pull it. That's right. But I had, I had babies. I had two babies and I, I wanted, I wanted every minute of their life to be special. I wanted them to have amazing memories. I wanted them to feel 
loved like every minute. And so that was really, really important to me. At the same time, I felt like I really wasn't worth anything. And so um, here when, when I was finding that I was being, I didn't feel like I could be loved. So I guess I could be desired sexually. And Mm -hmm. so I agreed to open up our marriage and, and, you know, the first thing was for me to be with a friend of my husband. Um, and you know, not, not the greatest experience. However, however, I did get this validation of, Oh, somebody wants me. And then I, I think that became such a big part of who I was at that time. I was so desperate for validation. I I was so desperate to be worth something. And the only, again, it was either by being the best mom um, or (laughs) through being sexualized. And, And I say all the time, I confuse being sexual which is a good thing with being sexualized, which is not. And mm-hmm. so when you go back to your original question, which mm. was about the, the dancing. Yeah. So when we, we were doing the swinging thing for a bit and then I, 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 what had happened was I felt that he was really in control of that, was making a lot of the decisions with that. And there was a part of me that I would say, I kind of went rogue um, where I wish that that little rebellious little girl that I was, the feisty one would have said, this is shitty. I'm not doing this anymore. And walked out of the situation. Instead, it was, oh, you think this is what you think you want? Watch me. And so I said, well, if the lines are, are, are have been crossed anyway, right? And if I'm allowed or incur- being encouraged to be with others, well, I'm going to choose who I'm going to be with. And so, but I didn't really, again, I mean, I hate to say this, but the truth is, you know, if somebody gave me attention, right. I, I, I wasn't the, I wasn't the toughest. When I, yeah. Know, yeah. Was, there wasn't a it, lot but, of arm twisting that was happening. Right. Right. And, <laughs> I'm not looking. I'm looking directly I mean, at you. <laughs> you know, I hate to say, but so with the dancing, what had happened was we actually started going to a lot of strip clubs together. And uh, what I loved about it, I actually really, there was one that I loved, it was fun. And, and I loved, I loved the atmosphere. Um, I loved when I would actually, the thing we would do is we'd go in, I would find a dancer that I thought he would find attractive. I would approach her, I would pay her and they would go off and I would sit and, and watch the dancers. And I felt like a boss, like, you know, and I don't, I'm not, cause I wasn't, I wasn't jealous. I wasn't concerned. I, I had no interest in being there when, when he was getting dances. I liked just being there and being confident. And, and I loved like the women were great and they loved me because they knew that I wasn't going to try anything gross with them. You know, I wasn't going to be whatever, what, what they were used to. Um, so it was great. And then there was, there was this one bar that we'd go to where they would pull up women from the state, from the, who were watching. Oh, from and the they'd audience. Pull you up. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh my God, so the first time I did that, it was like such a rush, right? And then what they would do is they'd pull you, oh God, they would pull you up <laughs> and you'd like flash. I haven't shared this. And you, you, they'd flash and the audience would go crazy. But for me at that point, I was so, <laughs> I was so out of my head. And, and keep in mind, I didn't have a sip of alcohol in the years that I was doing this. I didn't have a single drug, nothing. 
So sober, just riding on mental illness. Just, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> Absolutely. and no sleep. I would go days without sleep because I was Fuck also yeah. obsessed with working Physical. out. So I would get up there and I'd be like, flash, what is that? And I'm like, just stripping. So, I mean, boom, I would just be like, and this was me just going out with my husband while my kids had the babysitter. And I would just like, whoo. Um, but I really did like the attention. And then it got to a point where I thought, well, I, I could probably do this, you know? Um, and I felt, again, I felt, what happened was, okay, so I still obsessing about my body, still, even though I was in great shape, feeling it's not good enough, I wanted a personal trainer. I didn't want to take money from the household. I felt guilty because I was not working. I had like a babies, two babies. Um, so I didn't want, I didn't want to be a burden I wanted of to course you wanted to, to make yourself small because your wants were not as important as everybody else's right. in the household with you of course not <laughs> so so what I decided to do was I needed to find a job that I could do where I could be home with my kids all day um and then do something so perfect because what 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 else? every mother thinks about this right so I would um and and I and I talked about this so while I was dancing I would be home with them I would put them to bed and then I would go to the club I would dance I was the only dancer who had a protein shake in her locker you know it's midnight yeah. gotta go have my protein shake yeah um I was like, about I, to say in a marriage like it's, pretty, <laughs> it's pretty crazy that you were able to get up on the stage and perform without needing any kind of enhancer help <laughs> well, she had it. It was called mental illness, Nicole. But that's, that's like and it's funny because, top tier well, drug. The, well, Nicole, that's the, that's the thing. And, I, and I, I, I don't even know if I tell the story in the book or not, but I've told this where I remember um, an, um, another dancer coming over to me at one point and she said, she was, I guess, pretty new. And she said, how long, how long did it take you before you went up on stage? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, I've been here a couple of months and I haven't had the nerve. To, I'm like, yeah, huh? I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm like, yeah. first day, what are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't know that what? was a thing either. No, really? I had no, no clue. Was, see, that was for me, that was the best part. I didn't, okay, I, I liked dancing on stage. I did lap dancing, whatever. The part that I hated was getting off stage and having to like approach a table and mm -hmm. try to, you know, try to listen to them and, and try to sell myself like that. Be a greasy salesman. I, I hated that. Like that was yeah. the worst part for me. Yeah. But, I can imagine. I would not want to be playing into the egos, like just uh, telling people how great they are when they're terrible. Like no. I can't and do just, it. It's lies. really saying buy me, buy me, but yeah. And it was, it was bad. It was just, I, I hated that part, but the, honestly, I can't do the last but I, I was, I was in this place of uh, the whole idea of the whole dissociative thing where I was Cassidy. And so I was, when I, when I do something, I want to do it well. So <laughs> when I was dancing, I wanted to dance. Not when a perfectionist was, at all. When I was, but just, I'm not actually, but with this I, kind of thing. So, but I was also playing this role, right? So right. I wanted, when I was even doing the lap dancing, I, I was there, you know, I was so in it. You kind of did go back to college but you were just in the strip club instead of an actual formal classroom. I suppose so. But, but here's the thing. So again, sure, let's put it that way. Um, but so <laughs> I would, again, I would, I would, it was my way of paying my, paying for my personal training. But then I also was able to contribute to the household, like with groceries and stuff. So I felt like I was earning my keep. Yeah. Um, but then, so as I was saying, I would dance and then I'd get home, let's say three or four o'clock in the morning. 
I would change. I would go to the 24 hour gym that I belong to. And then sometimes go to the 24 hour grocery store to pick up stuff, come back, get the kids up, shower, get the kids up and start the next day. So I would go a couple of days without sleep um, just to keep the cycle going. And that- But how did you not do that without some sort of stimulant? And I'm sure, this is the funny thing. I was sure- that I'm sh- I was sure that like the moms at school would, would thought I was on something, even though they didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, Ooh. and they knew I was going to the gym at crazy times because when you're that crazy, everybody knows, like you just talk about it. So I'd hear people go, oh, you're so, you're so motivated that you're at the gym at four in the morning. And it's like, no, that's crazy. <laughs> that's not okay. <laughs> you know, I would make up stories when I would go to the gym, I'd be there two in the morning sometimes. And, and, you know, it would be me and maybe a few bouncers depending. And I would like make up a story for the person who was working there to explain like, oh, I work shift work. And I like, I wasn't going to say I'm nice. Like, that's why I'm here. You know, it just it was because it was I'm like, crazy. Sleep. that's for lazy people. What are you talking about? Sleep. How do you huh? have a personal trainer that meets you at four o'clock in the morning? No, that was when I was on my own. Oh, and I no. The trainer. Filling your voice. Yeah, I see him every it's, day. It's right. called this mental illness. Fueled by mental illness. I'm going to keep it saying crazy. it until you both, are, Nicole, you understand. This is what happens when you're so in it. So, uh, well, uh, yeah. So, and here's another example. One day. So again, my kids are young. I'm, it's midnight. It's Sunday. And I'm feeling like mm, not really comfortable with my body. I need to exercise. My gym is about an hour away walking. I decide I'm not going to drive. I'm going to walk to my gym at midnight. Uh, and I did. And that was fine. It was, you know, it was fine. But then you're there for a couple of hours and you're walking back. All of a sudden it's like four or five o'clock in the morning and you're walking back and it's quiet and terrifying. Like I'm mm-hmm. walking back at four o'clock in the morning and it is terrifying. And I'm thinking, how am I going to explain, like, how's my husband going to explain to my children how mommy was attacked on the street at four o'clock? Like, what was I doing on the street at four o'clock in the morning? Right. It was, it was such a, but my safety was less important to me than burning off my calories. I was more afraid of gaining weight from whatever I'd eaten than I was of dying. And that's, that's the mental health part that comes in. When, when I started to have a pain in my arm and my chest, I thought I was having a heart attack. My thought was, do I go to the hospital? Well, wait, what if I'm not having a heart attack and I stop my workout early for nothing? You know, like that's, that's the, the crazy part. That's why when people think eating disorders aren't such a big deal, no, it's a big deal. But no, it's a massive deal. Massive. Well, so huge and, deal. And I mean, I know that you guys are doing like the open marriage thing and it's not your fave and stuff, but having this type of schedule doesn't sound conducive to a healthy relationship. <laughs> well, I mean, it was such a weird, well, it was a weird thing because we were, fr- it was more like we were friends. Oh. Look, looking back, looking back, I, and we're amicable and we haven't really spoken yeah. about this. I'd, I'd love to, but I don't think he wants to, but, um, so we, we haven't really discussed this, but at the, and I, I, I am in a different place. So I am seeing things with, with my eyes are much more open now, but I, well, I just have a different lens, you know, just yeah, it's, it it's much healthier and more confident, but I think, and, and not to say that we weren't like, we were friends we were still sexual and all that, but there was no, there was no jealousy. I wasn't jealous yeah. of him. He wasn't jealous of me. Like there was no, which that's, is, I don't know that that's super healthy in some ways. Like you want. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it wasn't, um, yeah, it was 
the, you guys didn't have emotional was, intimacy it sounds like there was not an emotional intimacy not there. really I think he had this I think even more than he realized or even I realized I think he had a need to control and I had a need to be loved and I think it 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 was a perfect storm like it oh, that's just the, that's the ideal toxic relationship a controller and somebody who needs to be validated it's like on the narcissism outside, and, at the outside, it didn't look like that. I think on the outside of it, right. even when we got divorced many, many, many years later, I think people were surprised. I think it, I think people were shocked that that was our life. Um, yeah, we we kind of hit it well, but but um, I, I mean, it it couldn't it couldn't continue. It was killing me. You know, not sleeping yeah. wasn't helping. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and, and the fact that I did I I did become promiscuous, and I I mean, there were no secrets. It wasn't that I was cheating. You know. Um, he knew what was going on, but, uh, it, I felt terrible about it. I actually, I started to feel really, really terrible. And, and the problem was, I, I always say I was abusing myself with food and with sex with both. I could, I, well, I are your either, drugs of choice. Yeah. I don't know the choice, but, uh, but yeah, it wasn't, drugs, it wasn't alcohol. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, but it, that's what it did with food. It was either too much or too little. And um, sex, well, too much, you know, and, and it was my way of beating myself up. And so there were times when there were people I was with that I was with because I hated myself so much and I knew they had no respect for me. So in order to prove to myself how terrible a person I was, I would be with them. And then I'd usually binge after. So it wasn't ever me feeling like, oh, I'm a goddess and everybody, you know, it wasn't, right, that. It was, right. it, I knew I, I was just, God, I just, I really, I had no, I, looking back, I'm, I'm able to forgive myself because I really didn't have anyone, you know? Um, I even said to my sister at one point, now that we're talking, cause we had, like I said, we hadn't spoken in a long time. And I had t- told her something that had happened in my marriage and, and uh, years ago, and I brought it up again and, and said to her more recently, like, why didn't I leave? Like what, when I told you what was going on, what she goes, where were you going to go? I was living in the other side of the country. She goes, you know, our mother was dead. Our, our, our father was gone. Our brother was dead. We weren't talking. I had a baby. Like, what was I going to do? You know? Um, and I had no self-worth already and the eating disorder. Um, it was just, I did the best I could at the time, right. which wasn't, right. which wasn't great, which wasn't great, mm-hmm. but I'm still trying to be there for my kids. And that was the thing, which is why I'm fast forwarding too much, but which is why when my book came out and I've got two boys in their twenties, they knew nothing about this. When I told them, they were like, okay, we had no clue. Like, you know, they, they're like, it's okay. Like we, they didn't know because it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, that's why mom wasn't around. No, I was, I was around. I was actually, I wasn't the cool mom. I was like the overprotective mom. It was like, oh, you were the helicopter mom. I'm like, the, <laughs> no, I wasn't that. They would probably their friends would say, no, but I was like the, you have to wear a helmet mom. Yes. There has to be a parent there when you go swimming mom. Like, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I was responsible. Making, you were a responsible creating, parent. Creating it sounds like you were present on purpose. I was absolutely, I mean, not, I, at least I tried, like I really, really tried still do, you know, want them to know I'm always there. Um, but, but it couldn't go on forever. And, um, I, I hit, I, there's a chapter in there. <laughs> we'll get into it too much, but let me tell you, um, the truth, the truth walked me in the face one morning when I went down to the, you know, it was back, it was a long time ago. And it was back when you had a family computer in the basement, right? It wasn't. Oh, those, those days. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, let's just say I, I, well, my, my, my routine was I would, I would get up very, very early, of course, because I'd go to the gym very, very early. 
And I would check my email and then I go to the gym at like five o'clock in the morning. And this one morning, I mean, I have to laugh now, but it was, and even writing this chapter, I wrote it through the night into the morning because I did not want to stay in it one more day. Um, I, I woke up one morning, go downstairs, turn on the three emails from three wives. Let's just say they were not very happy with me. Yeah, um, there it is. <laughs> so it was this realization that, oh shit, I'm hurting other people. Like I didn't, I didn't even, I knew I was hurting myself, but I deserved it, right? Other people didn't deserve to, to feel bad because of me. And that was something I couldn't handle. And I think I called my therapist a thousand times and left a bunch of messages. And um, that was when that, that realization was me saying, I can't do this anymore. And that was when, when I stopped um, and sort of took myself out of that behavior. It was a long road back. Yeah. It was because there was some, there was some false starts where I got help from my eating disorder, went into recovery. That was amazing. I had been on heavy duty narcotics for um, my surgeries and pain, got myself off of that, created this program for, for kids and with body image and wrote a book for parents and everything was great, but I had not dealt with the shame that I felt over what I had done even though it had been over a decade, I was terrified people would find out. I was terrified my kids would find out. I was terrified that a school that I was speaking at would find out. And that shame knocked the crap out of me. My marriage still wasn't great. We, we were doing fine for the kids. You know, we were both very focused on the kids, but I still didn't feel loved. Um, and, and that it took its toll. And I started thinking, how can I help people feel good about themselves when I don't feel good about myself? I felt like a hypocrite. And I crashed again and sort of relapsed from my eating disorder for a bit and started to believe that I wasn't worthy again. Like, I don't deserve to be here. Um, my kids would be better off without me. Um, and that was a very dark, dark place to be. Now, after that, I should say, I still had health issues. I, I Just a few years after I got out of the hospital, the doctors found something on my liver and I had to have part of my liver removed and then I had to recover from that. And then I had a debilitating nerve disorder that I dealt with for a year. Um, I mean, it, it just was not, I, I feel like oh, I just didn't get a, I didn't get a chance to recover yeah. from one yeah. thing. No, you know, you and I, was, well. I was exhausted. Yeah. And I mean, unfortunately from what we've learned from other guests is that when you have these things in your body that are connected to emotions, things you haven't dealt with, feelings of shame, guilt, whatever, they manifest themselves in actual physical ailments and illnesses and things of that nature. And so I, I mean, I applaud you for your strength of surviving all of these, uh, I guess, illnesses and battles, because I mean, you're truly like a fighter at the core, but it's like, yeah, it really makes me go, well, do you think that, you know, you were more susceptible because despite the fact that you were obviously physically fit <laughs> and very conscious of like your body and everything, like, you know, was there, su- was the feelings and emotions connected to the illnesses, you know? I, I, I think I, I would say that uh, part of it was, and I'll tell you why, because while I was writing my book and I, it didn't take me that long, it was about a seven month process for me to write it. And I will tell you that my body was in physical pain while I was writing it. And it was because, and I know it was because um, uh, here I was writing about over 40 years worth of trauma in seven months. And it was, I couldn't just write about it or you wouldn't feel it when you were reading it. So I had to yeah. open up all those wounds and, and I had to feel it again so that you Ugh. could feel it. Yeah. And, 
And I remember taking about a week off and visiting a friend out of town and I didn't have pain that week. And I thought, oh, interesting. You know, I'm not writing and I'm not in pain. Mm-hmm. So as cathartic as it was, it also, it manifested in, in a physical pain. So absolutely, I think, I think that even, even if I'm not going to say, oh, they saw something on my liver because I was stressed, but my recovery took way longer than it needed. Right. Like, yeah. My bouncing back wasn't, yeah. wasn't as, as quick as it could have been. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what should have taken six weeks took six months. You know, I mean, Oof. it was that kind of thing. So yeah. yeah, but, but it was only, honestly, it was only over the last, I'm going to say six years when I decided to leave my marriage and, and to make some big changes that were scary in a lot of ways. But that was, it was only then when I realized, okay, like I've been through too much. Um, I've got, who knows how much time I have left. I'm not wasting any of it being this miserable. I, I, I don't think that that's where I'm supposed to, I don't, I, I remember leaving my marriage. One of the reasons as much as I didn't want to, you know, break up the family and all that, I remember thinking my kids were seeing me sad. They were seeing me stressed. Uh, and that's not who I am. And that is not, that's not how I remember my mom. And she had a really challenging life, but I remember her being just love personified. And, and I, if anything happened or when it was my time, I didn't want them to remember me being sad and stressed and scared for you. and all of that. You're not so protecting that's, anybody. That's and that's, that's the most important thing is like, you realize you can't protect them. Like we said earlier, don't protect my feelings. Tell me the truth. Right. And you're right. living your truth, and now your kids know. That's right. Oh, am and I I'm, ever? <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure they're way happier knowing all of this stuff. Well, I don't know, but they're they. The, the amazing <laughs> thing is, well, I mean, they know it from they, you instead yes. of finding out after you're dead and being like, "Did you right. know your mom was a stripper?" Right, right. And they're so funny with that. I mean, look, it, and again, that's not even. I don't feel shame about that. I feel shame about other stuff. And not, mm-hmm. no, I don't feel shame right. anymore because I, I I forgive myself for that stuff. But but the stripping stuff, I think it's really important to know that that was not. I never wanted to sound like I'm saying, oh, I stripped and and I, you know, you should be ashamed if you strip. No, uh-uh. I, I'm more. I think the people who peep there were some and not look. I was also a customer, and that's fine. But there, I saw a lot shadier behavior from people who were customers at the clubs than from any of the people I work with. Yeah. So mm-hmm. absolutely. You know, I, I'm the first to say sex work is work and and sex absolutely is. deserve respect. And it's it's anyone who doesn't respect that respect them. They, they've got they're the ones that yes. usually have the bigger secrets and the bigger shame. But um but it it did it took it took me until I was able to forgive myself um until I could really live a life where I could breathe and I never choose the easy road again. I think staying married in some ways would have been easier. It would have been, I don't know where I'd be as far as like, I mean, I remember seeing a therapist while I was married and she's near the end of my marriage. And she, she described me as being like a puddle of nothing is what she said. Like I was but just, you were wow. also still connected to the man who put you into that world that kind of helped you spiral, right? Like you were still married. Well, to I'm the very care- I get it. Get I'm very careful with that because I, I don't, <laughs> I, I won't, I won't say that it's bad. I'm mean, swinging is not bad. No, he opened no, yeah. the door it, to the scene that you decided to do all the things. That I should right. say, I think, you know, I think the difference, I think one of the differences between he and I, um, I'm, I'm being very respectful here because I, I want to be, um, but I think the difference is he was able to, as, as a lot of people can, I think it's also a bit of a male, female finger that he could separate. Yeah. Right? He could, Men can and, separate. And, yep. And I couldn't, like I was, whether it'd be, it, it's the typical story of like mom by day, stripper by night, but I was Marcy the whole time. 
right? Even though <laughs> I was, I was still yeah. Marcy by day, Cassidy by whatever, it was still me. And so it took its toll on me. And I don't think he ever quite understood the toll that it took. And not only that, but I will tell you, I still, to this day, now I'm, this happened very, very, very beginning of 2000. So we're, we're talking a very long time ago. And I literally got a phone call from someone six months ago that I had been involved with back then. Cause I guess my number is the same and he still had it wanting to connect. And I'm like, are you kidding me? No. What? Men always so, come out of the woodwork. Desperate. But, but, no absolutely. But, but, but the point is I still have to, I, he didn't live with the fear that I did. When I'm walking through the grocery store and, yeah. and I say this, talk about this in my book and I'm walking through the grocery store and my kids were very little. And it had been a few years since I'd been in that life. And a man walked by me and, and looked at me kind of funny. And one of my sons said, why is he looking at you like that? And my thought was, holy shit, why is he looking at me? Now, at that point, I thought maybe he thinks I, he knows me. Maybe he's trying to flirt. Maybe I slump with him. I don't know. Maybe I dance for him. I don't know. But, but there was that fear of, is he going to say something to me? You know, what, mm-hmm. what if I don't, what if I don't remember? Like, what if I don't remember how I know him and, and he says something and, but but my husband didn't have that fear, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we couldn't even, he didn't want to talk about it. We could, so I was still living with that. But you're also, don't forget, you're living under the society where it's not okay for women to act like that, but it is okay for men. So inherently they're comfortable in their own skin because their society is always going to focus on the woman being the whore. Absolutely. So there's already that innate comfort intact. So Well, uh, for sure, for sure. And, and, and I and was all- still so, so shamed with myself. If it was right. now, let me tell you, like I said, somebody contacted <laughs> me. Somebody comes to me now. And that's the other reason why I wrote the book was you can't shame me if I'm not ashamed. You want to come to me and tell me, you know, about my past. No kidding. Page 72. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I say it. So it's, you can't hurt me. There's no fear because I let it out. And because I'm right. not afraid of it, because I'm not ashamed of it anymore. I was ready. I just got to a point in my life where I didn't want to live in fear anymore. And uh, I was turning 50 and I had, I had wasted enough years with shame and guilt and fear. And I was done with that. And so I, I put it out there. And my thing was, if people hate me after this, fine. Um, the people who love me, love me. What happened, happened. My life was my life. So whether people know about it or not, I know about it. Right. So as long as I'm okay with it. And of course I had people say, well, what are your kids going to say? And, and that was a fear because they were the only ones I cared who's opi- like their, their opinion was the only one that I cared about. Right. But I also had to get to the point. I probably wouldn't, wouldn't have written it when they were in elementary school or high school. You know, I had to wait till the time when they were older, but, but it, I wasn't ready before either. But my thought was this, if they read it, which they were not going to read it, but if they heard about things or if I, things I shared with them, if they were mad at me, it would be hurtful to me. However, I would understand but I would also have faith that as time went on, they would understand it more. And I would believe yeah. that I still needed for, I still needed to be the healthiest I could be. I needed to share it. I needed to tell it. And I needed to yeah. be honest. And in doing that, so anyone who's listening, who has a story and they want to tell, but they're afraid. I was so afraid. My kids said, we got your back. My kids said, we're in your corner. So yes. all this fear that everybody else had that knew me, what are they going to say? They're awesome. And, and to this day, what makes me laugh is, is one of my sons is on social media more than the other one. And every time I'd write an article or do a podcast, I used to text him and say, okay, just letting you know, I'm going to do, and he'd be like, just do you like, don't, you don't <laughs> need my permission. 
he said if there's that's adorable we're not okay, yeah he said if there's anything we're not okay with we will let you know and they would but he said just and and that's how i want them to be i want them to just be authentically genuinely them they don't have to do things the way society tells them they should i just i want them i'm not perfect you know they they learned a lot of the this stuff in life that that when it comes to kind of practical stuff that they learn from their dad is great that's really that's not me and so I think he gets some good stuff they get good stuff there and I think for me they they get the how important it is to just live in truth I mean I'm all about the I'm I'm honest to a fault now you know <laughs> but well, you're giving them like, like example it. to lead by you know you're leading by example I, and that's the most important part I hope <laughs> No, Marcy, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing all of that and running through it as quickly as you did. No shit. Because <laughs> that's a lot to unpack in the little amount of time that we had. And, um, you know, I appreciate you just kind of navigating the waters here as we're asking questions and stuff and being open um, and, and being an example for yeah. other people. So uh, now we're going to transition into at a girl time which is just basically when we like pat ourselves in the back for something good that we've done or something good that's happened to us. Um, and I'll just make mine really quick because I would told you guys I was moving in slow motion today <laughs> and I was really trying to like push through everything. And at one point I was just like, Nope, I'm going to sit down and take a nap. And I, <laughs> Napped so hard. You've never done that. You never <laughs> do that. It's very hard for me to like lay down in the middle of the day and take a nap. But I had a window of time and I took advantage of it. So that's my Atta girl. Hell yeah, girl. Wow. <laughs> that's impressive. Thank you. I, uh, was, it, was, was it one of those naps where you wake up and you don't know what day it is and what time? A hundred percent. That's okay. why I said I yeah. was knocked out. <laughs> those daytime naps, man, you drool, you know, that's a good one. <laughs> so my Atta girl, um, I said it earlier, but I did laundry and I didn't forget about it. Huge bonus. <laughs> I hate when my laundry gets smelly and I won't like, if it, if it sits for like, just a touch too long and maybe we can just, no, I'd redo the whole thing. So I'm thankful that I was able to, I didn't even have to write myself a note. I just remembered <laughs> My yeah, retention we, rate is no longer pe no longer pebble is really where we're at. <laughs> at a girl, our at a girls this Yay. week are not very deep. Marcy, your entire story is an at a girl. It sounds like you're raising amazing sons as well. So, you know, so you, just uh, keep it, you can go ahead and do whatever you want. It's fine. Yeah, you proved yep. your point. You've yeah. got your validation. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your at a girl? So, I'm gonna say this. Because like I said, I battled, I battled a uh, very severe eating disorder for decades. And I, uh, for me, every time I have a, I see my recovery, it's an girl. So I, I love chocolate and I've been craving cookies for a little while, but not just like I wanted good cookies. So I went out and I bought cooking supplies and I baked some cookies. I have to say I had a bit of, but wait, I had a bit of a slip because I read the, the instructions wrong. I put the wrong amount of, I had to leave the house this is a, and I was like, damn it. But I got dressed in my pajamas, got just went back to the store. I had to rebuy the ingredients, but I made myself some really amazing uh, devil's food cake, chocolate toffee cookies. I mean, and hello. I, ate, I, I ate a whole bunch of them, but there's no guilt and no shame. 
So that for me is huge. Like honestly, that is that's huge. A, that's a yeah, that's thing. huge. Congratulations, add a girl. Yeah, right. I also and I admire did, the I did commitment. I gave some to my neighbor. Right? I gave some to my neighbors because I didn't want them all in the house because they would right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I totally. I'm one of those people too. Where I, if I make something, I'm going to eat a majority of it the day I make it. And mm-hmm. then maybe hopefully yeah. it'll stick around for a couple other days, but usually it's like a two day situation when it comes to those things. So. <laughs> exactly. Add a girl. Uh, Add a girl. Well, Marcy, tell everybody where they can find your, yes. your multiple books and uh, how they can get in touch with you. So for my resiliency coaching, because again, yeah. what, when I wrote it, everybody was like, how did you survive that? And you're still, if you see me on social media, dance, I lip sync, and I'm kind of out there. Um, so I teach people how to let go of the shame and move forward. And if I, the resiliency rebel, because I do it in a bit of a different way, but that's just, um, marcywarhalf.com. And to get my book, if you just go on to the you'll find the Amazon link, the audiobook link for audible, um, and the Kindle. So man, congratulations. Did you voice your audible? Thank you. I did. Congratulations. Even harder. <laughs> <laughs> that was a trip and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Saying it out loud, it was like, oh God. Right, you have yeah. to relive it again. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and you have to, re- you know, you mess up. You have to keep saying it over and over. <laughs> it's pretty, it's, yeah, exactly, it's pretty funny. Man, you are um, just icon. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Thank uh, you for sharing your you. story. Thanks for chat. sticking around on this planet and, you know, making it through. Fueled by mental uh, illness, yeah. I'm impressed. <laughs> Taking it moment by moment. That's 100%. Everyone can get in contact with us on Instagram at homance underscore chronicles or send us an email, homancepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again. That was amazing. I still have the same sentiment that I had initially, which is wow, wow, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's awesome. This is great. Oh, man's out. Man's out.